This is Pastor Derek Thomas of Living Witness Ministries, and I want to welcome you to the Living Word Podcast. I pray that today's teaching blesses you, inspires you, and encourages you to live a life worthy of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that we serve. God bless. Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Derek Thomas of Living Witness Ministries, and we're blessed to be together one more time. I'm still bringing the message to you today from my home because of the pandemic, yet God indeed is still good. We're heading into Holy Week, and we're in the midst of our series from glory to glory, and God indeed has a word for us this week as we head into this glorious week in the church. The word is found in the 21st chapter of the gospel according to St. Matthew, and I'll be reading today from the verses 9 through 17 in the New King James Version of God's Holy Word. And what you find written there reads in this fashion. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying who is this and the crowd said this is the prophet jesus from nazareth of Gaz of galilee and jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons he said to them it is written my house shall be called a house of prayer but you make it a den of thieves and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies? You have perfected praise. Verse 17 says, and leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. As we speak to the subject this morning, is our Hosanna our. Amen? Is our Hosanna our. Zero hour is a military term that refers to the scheduled time for the start of some event, especially a military operation. Now, in some circles, it's used as a metaphor to refer to the inevitable moment of reckoning for two combatants that are destined to face off in a final battle. At the zero hour, an irresistible force collides with an immovable object and the outcome of this collision changes the landscape of the designated battlefield forever. Now in our text, Jesus is beginning the week leading up to the zero hour in the eternal battle for the souls of humanity on the back of a donkey being lauded as a coming Messiah. Little did they know that the very salvation they were crying out for would cost them the understanding of life as they know it forever. Today as then, we're facing a zero hour moment in our world and our text is a clear reminder to us that we must allow God to be God and praise him through the battle, knowing that victory is ours. And as we look at all that's happening and we look at everything that's going on, I'm a news hound, you all that, that, that follow me and have, and have heard me uh, preach and minister in times past, know that, that I am 
uh, a sucker for the news. I really am a sucker for the news. And I watch the daily briefs. I'm sure like many of you for, for in information and, and dare I say uh, for inspiration as the time continues to, to press on. And, and what, I'm, what I'm hearing uh, and, and throughout the the um, uh, newscasts is, is something that's disturbing. But at the same time that it was disturbing, it, it re registered in my spirit actually as a time of encouragement in this hour. What the president and individuals have been saying is we're reaching a point of what they're calling the peak. We're reaching the point where they, they're feeling that the bend in the curve that they're talking about is taking place. Another way to look at it, we're reaching a zero hour with this pandemic. And with the zero hour, that means that if you you're someone that, that that's ancillary. If you're someone that could be viewed as a casualty, you basically need to get out of the way. You need to move because this battle is coming. This battle is now here. This battle is now at ground zero. And anything and anyone that's in the midst of where this battle is going to take place is going to be viewed as collateral damage. We look at where we are in our world space right now. And we realize that, that we're in this particular time. We're in this particular time, not only in the natural, but this message, as the Lord began to deal with me on this, dealing with the spiritual ground zero that we're at, the spiritual zero hour that we're in right now. God is doing a new thing in the earth, and he's using even this plight that we're in now with the pandemic to usher in his presence and to jumpstart, re-jumpstart the spiritual economy of our world today. And you may say, well, pastor, how is he doing something like that? How can you find joy in the midst of the, the, the sorrow that's out there with countless individuals that have lost loved ones to this 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 virus? How, how can you find a, a word of encouragement in the midst of all the gloom and doom that's, that's going forth on the news today? I'm so glad that those questions are coming up because Quite honestly, I asked God the same questions and, and he shared with me this message and it absolutely blew my mind and edified my spirit. And this message today is coming to you courtesy of the Holy Spirit and the, the, the upshot of what God is desiring to say to us today as his children is this, that we're to praise God through the battle, knowing that victory is ours. Amen. We're to praise God through the battle. Knowing that victory is ours. A key word I want you to grasp there is through. This is not a destination. This battle is not our end. Brothers and sisters, it's just a journey, a season in our journey that we're going through to get to our destination, which is home with our father. Remember, Jesus in the midst of our series went from glory to glory, which means he left his throne in glory to take a journey to get back to his throne in glory. And along the way, he picked us up in the midst of that journey. And in the midst of going through that journey and in the midst of picking us up, we weren't all at one place. When I was younger and I was on the bus when I was in junior high and high school, all the kids weren't congregated at one bus stop. Depending on where you lived, that dictated what bus stop you went to. And in order to get from where the bus came from, which was a, which was a school, back to where the bus came from, which was a school, it had to make a series of stops. And sometimes the stops seemed out of the way and they seemed obscure in relation to where we lived and where we waited on the bus stop. And some days it got aggravating. Why don't we got to stop all the way over here? But the bus driver would say in those times, we have to stop here because just like you have a right to go get an education, the individuals over here have a right to go get 
an education. If we bring that to our message today, just like we have a right to salvation and eternal life, other brothers and sisters that are going through have a right to, to, to salvation and eternal life as well. And even in this season that we're in, we have a right to eternal life. But God is saying, I've got to set some things back in order to make sure that everything is conducive for you to receive the eternal life that you have. So the first way that we praise God through the battle as we arrive at the first stop in this message is to remember what we prayed for. Amen. We have to remember what we prayed for. If we look again at the scripture in our text and, and go back into the 21st chapter of the gospel according to St. Matthew, what we find written there beginning at, at verse 9 and reading through verse 11 kind of gives us the context in which we need to look at this at. And it says here, and the crowds that went beginning with verse 9 before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let me stop right there. The word Hosanna is used twice and two is the number of witness in the Bible. So here God is, is, is having the children and in the midst of doing so, they opened up the door and ushered in something. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowds, verse 11 says, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. In our text here, the crowds were crying out the heart of their prayer because you have to understand there were individuals in the crowd that had been praying for something. They had been praying because they knew that the status quo, as good as it might have been, there was something not quite right about it. There was something that just wasn't as it should be. It was like it was good, but it was not great. When I was in sales at my position in Comcast before I got promoted, there was a system and I've spoken about it in times past called the great process that we went through as sales individuals. And great was an acronym for each step that we had to go through to execute what would be deemed as the perfect sale. And many times we did a very nice job of getting through that 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 metric and we did a very nice job of getting through the pattern and oftentimes we got the sale but when we went back and looked at it our manager would tell us that you did a good job and i need you to catch this in spirit you did a good job but there's room for improvement because for you to operate at your optimum capacity i need you to do a great job and in doing a great job it's not knocking what you've done but what it's doing is it's, it's, it's pushing you to, to dig even deeper and, and to purify and refine even more so that your good becomes great. And God in this hour, in this season, is desiring the good that many of us do to become great. He's looking for great in this season. He's looking for great in this hour. He's looking for the greatness that he put in us to come out and to minister to others and reach others in this season to draw them unto God. The people here understood that the world was spiritually void and in need of being reconnected with God. Because prior to Jesus' arrival in the earth, there had been no prophetic voice for, for 400 years. Think about that. For generations, there had not been a prophetic, prophetic voice. For generations, no word from heaven. And many had fallen away from God and began following the other following other beliefs during that time. And what that caused was spiritual upheaval in the earth. 
And as a result of that spiritual upheaval, it made it challenging for God to be heard over the noise of the world by those seeking to hear. Hmm. Sounds a lot like now, doesn't it? So what happened as a result in the text is that the true believer's prayer was for God to send a deliverer to once again bring God and his people together. But what's happening today is that there are individuals that are disenchanted with the church and they've lost faith. Because the noise in our land has once again overshadowed the voice of the Lord and, and, they've, and it's been become increasingly more difficult to hear. But God indeed is still speaking and, and he's set events in motion that are bringing him and his voice again to the forefront of the earth. And, 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 and many of the events that have been set in motion are, are events like what's happening now with, with COVID-19. Now, please understand, I'm not speaking of the pandemic as a condemnation. I'm not speaking of the pandemic as a proverbial silver bullet to come and change everything instantaneously. What I'm saying is that the pandemic has come as an opportunity for us to exercise the right that we took in the Garden of Eden to choose. The Bible says, choose ye this day whom you will serve. God is calling us in this hour to make a choice. To make a choice to turn away from the ways of the world, to turn away from the enemy, to remember what it is that we pray for. How often have we as believers prayed, God, uh, uh, send a, a wave, send a revival in the earth today. God, send a, a, a troubling in the water. God, send a new mindset. God, send a fresh fire, send a fresh anointing in the earth today. Yeah, when we see things like the coronavirus pandemic come we retreat we retreat and wonder lord what 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 happened lord what's going on we have to be mindful there's a saying in the earth be careful what you pray for as believers i've modified it be mindful of what you pray for and that's scripturally based the bible tells us to know that we've got to be the bible lets us know that we've got to be mindful of the times and the seasons None of us know the time and the seasons which the Lord shall come back. But we've got to be mindful of the seasons in which we are. We've got to walk circumspectly, as the Bible says. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as foolish, but as wise, redeeming the time that we've been given for the days are evil. This is a time where the time that we would have spent doing foolish things of the world. Because we've been called and chosen by God, this is some of that redeemed time that now we need to use to reflect and to remember what we prayed for and remember who we are. And understand that God is in the midst of everything that's happening. Nothing sneaks up on God. And because nothing sneaks up on God, we've got to remember that when God begins to move, even in the midst of circumstances that seem destructive and seem that in no way, shape, or form they would come from God, nothing happens without God's knowledge in the world because God is all-knowing, he's all-seeing, he's all-powerful, and he's everywhere. Therefore, we have to allow God to be God and remember in times of panic 
that God hears and answers our prayers. I look at what goes on in the news and I and I listen to what the president and the individuals say. And I, and I heard even as recently as, as as yesterday how they said that that last week and going into this week uh, are going to be uh, in man's eyes the deadliest weeks. The most people are going to die because, again, in man's eyes, we're approaching the peak. But it leads us to the second point that God desires to make in the message of hope today. And this is a message of hope to help us see that it's not all gloom and doom. And it's, there's not the, it's not just about the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. It's to let you know that the light is in the midst of the journey through the tunnel because the light is in you and I. The second point that God desires to make in this message today is that we have to understand that victory begins from within. Amen. A champion doesn't become a champion by what they do in the ring, on the court, on the diamond, on the field, in the boardroom. A champion is made when the decision is made that something needs to fundamentally change in the way that I function and do business. Because what I have is good, but it's not great. To get to the next level, something has to change from the inside out. Something has to change in my heart. Something has to change in my mind. Something has to change in my spirit. Something has to change in my logic. Something has to change in my understanding. Something has to change. Insanity defined is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. In other words, speaking change, but not doing anything to precipitate the change that's being spoken of. Can I let you in on a little secret? A lot of individuals that have said yes to Jesus that profess the name of Christ are functioning in spiritual insanity because they've they, 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 they professed that change has come. They profess that change is now. They profess that this is my season of, but they've done nothing fundamentally different. From day to day, from week to week, from month to month, from year to year. And sometimes something needs to come along that jumpstarts you and shakes you at your core and forces you out of the comfort zone of the normal that you know. Something like a pandemic. Look at what it says, beginning with verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple. And drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Verse 13, he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of thieves. Hmm. In our text here, Jesus took the prayers of the people through their hosannas to the next level. And they began to do and began rather to do the work of saving now by bringing correction to the church first. By bringing correction to the church first. Pause there for a minute. The Bible shows us and lets us know that the church is the bride of Christ. 
And the bride in the marriage relationship has captured the heart of her groom. And because the heart of her groom is captured and held by the bride, the groom will do whatever he has to do to protect and preserve his bride, to give her the very best of everything. But not every marriage relationship is always a flowery bed of ease. It's not always a honeymoon phase. It's not always happy, happy, joy, joy. And it's in the times of testing and in the times of trial and in the times of pruning that the love is tested. And in the midst of the testing of the love, decisions are made by both individuals. Love is a choice. Love is a foundational and fundamental choice. And housed within that fundamental choice are subsets of choices that need to be made to preserve the fundamental choice of love. And many of those choices that need to be made and the decisions that need to be made force the individuals that are making these sub-decisions to make changes in how they operate. Can't think about just me anymore. It's about me and my wife. Can't think about what I want to go buy anymore. Can't think about the shoes or the purses or whatever it is the indulgent might be of the wife anymore. Got to think about us, our budget, our home. It's not about me anymore. What Jesus is doing here is he's taking the prayer of his bride who's in distress beyond the first translation of Hosanna, which is saved now, to the next level of it, which is the imperative tense of the translation of Hosanna, which is save, save we pray. In other words, save. Uh, not only do I need you to save now, but my prayer is earnest. I need you to move. I need you to save. I need you to, I need your help. Jesus knew what the purpose and role of the church was from its inception, and he was disgusted with the depths to which the church had sank due to compromise and its separation from God as a whole. Remember, for 400 years, nothing had been heard on the prophetic plane. For the better part of 10 generations, nothing had been heard from Malachi's final prophetic utterance to John saying of Jesus, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. A lot could happen in 10 generations. And a lot did happen in 10 generations, not only individually, but collectively to the body of the church. Again, sounds a lot like today. So much so that when Jesus came on the scene, he heard the prayers, he heard the hosannas, and in hearing the Hosannas, the Hosannas ushered in the zero hour. God said, this is the appointed time to come in and set my house in order. This is the appointed time to come in and, and have my children make the necessary decisions to bring about the needed changes in their lives. This is the appointed time to begin the battle for their souls. Jesus is upsetting of the church's normal was not only literal, but it was an eternal opening shot that he fired that started the battle for the soul of his people. 
The church was being purged and compromised and, and repositioned as the house of prayer for all nations that it was accepted and designated to be by God. Yet today, many believers are going through the religious motions in their service and doing it out of a sense of obligation rather than responsibility. The church is being purged in this season and, and the, the money-changing ways of profit, compromise, and lasciviousness is being replaced with the grace, truth, and power that comes with being purged in this season and, and the money-changing ways of profit, compromise, and lasciviousness is being replaced with the grace, truth, and power that comes with being designated as the house of God. What this means, church, is that everything and everyone, hear me, that desires to be an active part of the church must allow God to remake them from the inside out. From the inside out. When we think about what's happening now with COVID-19, the biggest thing that's being said by everyone from the local level to the national level, even at the international level, the, the, the biggest thing that, that you can do to stop the spread of this is stay home. Go inside. We talked about that last week in the message. Shut yourself up and get yourself separated because God indeed is the one that delivers from disease and from worldwide circumstances. I found in having more time at home that I can spend more time with him, time that I would have had allocated to do the world's business, I now have to do God's business. Time that I had allocated to spend seeing the world's people, now I have time to fellowship with God's people. Time that I had set aside that I had allocated to do things to take care of this natural temple, God now has sat me down and had me take retake inventory of the spiritual temple. What am I saying? I'm saying this is the season and designated hour and time that as the purging takes place, God has us doing some spiritual cleaning, some spiritual spring cleaning. And it's painful. I, I hear and read about stories where individuals are struggling with depression and struggling with uh, 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 obesity and, and, and weight gain and, 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 and struggling with, with domestic abuse and, and insurrection. And I pray for those homes and I pray for the immediate need of the situation that it stopped. But my prayer goes deeper. It goes from just the, the save now to the save we pray. The prayers of those individuals that are going through, that are being abnormally used, that feel like they've been neglected, that are in the midst of strife and conflict, that the eyes of their understanding might be enlightened so that they might know what God's will is, so that, Father, they might know what your will is, so that they then, once they know your will, can look at your will against where they are and say, God, I see that your will is different from my will, so you come into this temple. You do whatever cleaning you need to do. You do whatever rearranging that needs to take place. You throw out what needs to go out. You bring in what needs to come in. You do the change. 
I'm making the decision to let you come in and create in me a clean heart, to create in me a clean heart. Not to shift the dust around in this heart of flesh that I have, but creating me a clean heart that beats for you, that beats with the flesh that comes from the flesh of my Savior. And renew a right spirit in me. You don't want me doing good anymore. You've called me to do great in this season. There's nothing in the atmosphere but death and destruction because God has given ample time for us to get it together. And he's like, I, I need to drive my people inside. I need to drive them in so that from the inside out, they can make the decision. They can realize and make the decision if they're indeed my people so that before they quote that scripture that says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land so that they don't speak in error, so that they can make the decision that if in fact they are my people that are called by my name, God says. We've got to make the decision to understand that true champions get that before the pleasure can come, there has to be a season of pain. There has to be a season of pruning. There has to be a season of denial. There has to be a season of discipline. You can't be a disciple of something if you don't have the character or the discipline to walk out what it is that you follow. Can't be a champion if you don't have a championship mindset. Because whatever we set our minds on, that's what we pursue. We should set our minds on allowing God in this season to change us from the inside out. He's hearing our Hosanna and he's ushered in the zero hour in our lives. This time that has been set aside, church, for us to be called to the inside, for us to stay at home. We can take that time at home. To find our way back to the path to get to our eternal home, to get to the bus stop. So when Jesus comes by, he won't miss us. As a result, we must know that charity indeed begins at home, that love. Unconditional love begins at home. This is why we should heed even more so in the spirit than in the natural. And we should heed in the natural to be protected from natural contagion. But even more so in the spirit because the enemy's not caring at this juncture who he's taking out. He's not caring at this juncture who he's coming after because he knows that his time is shorter than short. Which means we've got to be ready. We're in intense preparation now. We're in the most intense stage of war games that a military troop can be in. If war games were measured by, by DEFCON levels with zero being the lowest one and 10 being the highest one, we're at like a DEFCON 22 right now. Because when we look at the plight and the state of our world, our world has gone absolutely topsy-turvy. Our world has completely fallen off its axis and is, is, is spinning all kinds of ways except the way it's supposed to be spinning.
Things that the Bible has spelled out are, are nowhere near acceptable and have been blatantly called sin. Are not only accepted now, but, but, but celebrated and encouraged to become generational practice. God needs us as a church to stand and be the church that we were created and accepted to be. Which means he's working in us and he's working on us. So we've got to make the decision to let God be God and to let God have his way. First Peter 4 and 17 puts it this way. For the time has come for, the, for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, mm, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God. In other words, it starts with us. And if it's hard for us to make an end, and if some that profess the name of Jesus Christ, because they're not willing to, to tap into what it takes to walk out that championship mindset in the, in the spirit, some of us might get left behind. So what is it going to take? What is it going to take to win the souls of those that are lost? And bring them to a point of victory. It's going to take the last point. In this message. And that point is knowing. That the outcome of the battle is already decided. Amen. Look at what it says in verse 15. It says, but when the chief priests. This is good right here. When, but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did. And the children crying out in the temples, there's that third Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, catch this. Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and infants? Come perfect praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. In our text, lastly, Jesus, after setting his house in order, turns his attention to his people. He healed those that were blind and stood with him while rebuking those that were blind and stood in defiance of him. Now, before you accuse me of doublespeak, understand what I'm saying and let this register in your spirit like it registered in mine. And it blew me away. This contrast shows the stark contrast of religion and relationship, as well as the importance of the third translation of Hosanna. And that's the messianic translation of Hosanna, which is to send divine help. So these individuals that were part of the church had, had, had sent out a supernatural spiritual SOS. Save our souls. Save our souls because they're under siege. Save our souls because they're under attack. Save our souls because we're going through. Save our souls because we're getting at the end of our spiritual rope. And in the midst of Jesus coming in that instance, a funny thing happened. Those that walked by faith in our text were not shaken by the noise going on around them in the church 
of, of, of tables being flipped over and birds flying away and people screaming and, and canonine tails flying past their ears from, from people getting whipped because Jesus was cleaning house. But instead, they understood that God was at work because Jesus was on the scene. Now, in contrast, the religious leaders that stood against Jesus were rebuked by him and, and left in their blindness because they were focused on what they saw and were being led by their natural sight. They were more focused on the money that was being lost by every by every bird that flew away they were more concerned with the money that was being lost by by the money that by the, by, the, by the money changing the fees that weren't coming in by the work that was being done they were more concerned with keeping the busy work intact and in order making sure that the chicken dinners were being sold and the bingo cards were being counted and everything was in financial order when the house was in spiritual disarray because god was nowhere on the scene They're being led by their natural sight. And because they're being led by their natural sight, I'm a wrestling fan. Like John Cena says, Jesus was saying to them, you can't see me. You can't see me because you're not even at my level. You're not at my level because your spirit is not in tune. Because if your spirit was in tune, you would be rejoicing in your spirit now, regardless of what your eyes see. And that's where God has us, regardless of what our eyes see, regardless of what our ears hear about COVID-19. A thousand will fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand. But guess what? It will not come near us. Why? Because we've made the Lord our God our refuge. We understand that he's our very present help in the time of trouble. We're walking by faith and not by sight. Now, please understand, please understand that does not mean that we don't use our sight. But our sight takes a secondary position to our faith. Our faith is God's GPS and we're watching God's GPS. And whatever way God tells us to turn, we turn left and we turn right. And then turning left and then turning right. We use our natural senses to co-sign on the supernatural sense that God has put in us to steer us around the things that we can see as we pursue the things that we can't see. And sometimes the pursuit of things that we can't see, like a natural GPS, has us in areas that we don't recognize, has us in times that we that are unprecedented, has us in circumstances that are indeed beyond our control, kind of like right now. And it leaves us concerned sometimes. Leaves us wondering if we missed it sometimes. Leaves us in a position where we're vulnerable. Sometimes and the enemy would love to come in and, and, and play on that and, and, and pray on that. But this is where our minds have to be set and steadfast. This is where the championship mindset has to be in play, because if the mind is idle, there's an old, old saying that my, my grandmother used to say that an idle mind is the devil's workshop. And while it has no direct scriptural reference. It points us in the direction of the word that says to let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Jesus' mind was never idle. His mind was always on the will of the Father. Unfortunately, today many that profess to know and love God are spiritually blinded by their natural pursuit 
of salvation through status, position, and influence rather than obedience to God. As a result, they're at risk of missing the kingdom because they're seeking their heaven on earth. When instead, God is calling his church to the greater calling, a position of itself as a living witness of his power and might in the face of, in the face of perilous times. And he's calling the church to do that by standing in faith through the battle to demonstrate to those that don't believe that God is indeed in control. He wants us to stand as a pillar of strength. He wants us to stand even though we're bloodied, we're unbound. Even though we're beaten down, we're not broken down. Even though we may look like a wreck. We know that God's about to come through and wreck shop because the battle is not ours, but it's the Lord's. And God needs us to exemplify that measure of strength. We may not always look like it, but this is where we exercise what I learned as a young man in church. That there are only two occasions that you praise and worship God when you feel like it. Come on now. And when you don't. God needs us to make up our minds that come hell or high water, I'm going to serve you. No matter what, though he slay me, as Job said, yet will I trust him. In God, I live. In God, I die. So we must proclaim God's supremacy in the face of imminent defeat because God is indeed greater than any problem we have. If, if, if we were like the blind men and we are like the blind men in the spirit, if we're like the blind men in the natural and we couldn't see anything that's going on, as long as we know that Jesus is on the scene, we hear him moving, we sense him moving, we sense his presence, it doesn't matter what we can't see because we know what the greater one on the inside can see. But more importantly, we know what he can do. And that's all things through Christ, which strengthens us. We're in unprecedented times. We're in circumstances, the likes of which we've never seen before. But as we end this message today, I want to impart this benediction upon you from the word of God that no matter what comes our way know that God's got us know that you're coming down the home stretch we may not be coming down the home stretch in man's calculation and economy of scale but in our journey in this series from glory to glory we're coming down the home stretch we're in, at the beginning of passion week we're coming down the home stretch the finish line for this phase is over it's on its way. We see it and we see it in the distance. So we can benedict now unto him who was able to do far more abundantly than we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love you dearly. And I'm here to encourage you that as we've reached our Hosanna hour, as we've reached our spiritual zero hour, 
Not only can we take comfort, but we can rejoice knowing that once we come to the other side of this, our world will never be the same. Our relationship with each other will never be the same because our fellowship with God will never be the same. God bless you. I pray that you were blessed by today's word. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. If you've never taken the opportunity to do either one of those things, won't you join me now in prayer? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you a sinner. I believe that you sent your son to die that I might live. I believe that he lived, died, rose again, ascended to heaven, and is coming back for sinners just like me. I confess my sin, I ask you into my heart, and I ask you into my life. Thank you, Lord, that by faith I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like to welcome you into the household of faith and into a loving relationship of salvation with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please email me and let me know of your experience or if you have any prayer requests or praise reports, please email me. The email address is livingtowitness at gmail.com. That's living, the number two, witness at gmail.com. Until next time. This is Pastor Derek Thomas encouraging you to live your life as a living witness.